Hello there. I got a special episode that I'm uploading for you today. This is my testimony in front of the New York State Senate and New York State Assembly Joint Committee on Elections uh, regarding the performance of the New York State electoral system and uh, boards of elections in the June 2020 primary. I'm pretty proud of this testimony because it was um, pretty long and uh, we got into some very good minute discussions about how we uh, maybe could do better uh, for the November elections and what help boards of elections need uh, to get the job done this fall. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Um, our third panel is composed of uh, uh, Dustin Zarni, Democratic Caucus Chair, Democratic Commission, Commissioner of Elections, New York State Elections Commissioners Association. Dustin? Uh, thank you very much. And I'll keep my opening remarks brief since, uh, you know, um, many of these things have been dealt with by the former or the previous panelists. Uh, but I would like to thank the committee for the time to come and speak to you today. Uh, the 2020 June primary was one of the toughest elections I've had to work as an elections commissioner. Uh, and I think many of our elections commissioners across the state will say that as well. Uh, dealing with this primary in the middle of a pandemic with ever-changing uh, rules and laws and even the natures of the actual elections themselves uh, was something that uh, was unprecedented. We had to deal with a presidential primary that was canceled uh, and then restarted, uh, moved, uh, special elections that were moved and canceled, uh, and having to, to administer elections together that were actually separate elections was something that our uh, our voting systems and our, uh, our the very nature of our polling places themselves were not really designed for. And we were dealing with these redesigns on the fly uh, while we were dealing with shortages of inspectors due to a pandemic and dealing with shortages of uh, actual funds because our local host counties and our um, and state funding uh, was drying up as we were dealing with the COVID crisis. Um, so while we have lots of mistakes uh, that we learned from during the primary that we can apply to the general, uh, many of these things are, are, are mistakes that we kind of knew going into this primary and just hadn't been able to deal with. The most important uh, you know, thing that came up, especially in the New York City and other areas, is the postmark issue. Uh, and I bring this up because uh, as uh, previously I was a legislative chair for the New York State Elections Commissioner Association. And, uh, it, and in my entire time there, I think the last five years, as part of our bipartisan uh, legislative recommendations, it was to, we were warning uh, the legislature and the governor that uh, the issues with the absence of postmarks on absentee ballots were happening uh, for s several years. This is not something that is new. Uh, and uh, the instituting of 24-hour mail houses and forever stamps uh, started this issue with having no postmarks on ballots. So we um, were making that recommendation to make a change. And the legislation that was passed uh, this last uh, you know, session um, is something that will be helpful towards that. However, I do must, I must know, while that legislation was passed, it was only delivered to the governor yesterday, and it still has not been signed. Every day, 
that we get towards uh, closer to election without this legislation signed and enacted is a day that is lost at the boards of elections. We are at day 83 before the election. And um, that, you know, right now we have voters calling us asking if COVID-19 is an acceptable excuse for the November election. And we can't actually say yes, because that legislation isn't enacted, it isn't in law, and uh, we can't put that on our websites. This is causing confusion amongst the voters. Uh, we can't operate our portals in New York City and Erie and get the statewide portal that will make the absentee ballot process better for the November elections. So we we urge that the you know the governor to sign these uh, bills so we can get these uh, pieces of legislation moving and our local boards of elections can get to work to processing these ballots and helping the voters get through this process in November. And finally, I need to talk about what's going to happen, not just this November, but after November. The local counties are facing an apocalypse of, of funding shortages. These, this will affect boards of elections throughout the state. No money coming from the, the feds in this uh, current uh, COVID funding bills is really going to hurt us. It's going to hurt local boards as well who are dependent on the counties to fund them. If the legislature uh, wants these boards to continue to operate independently, then minimum standards of funding and staffing needs to be developed. Otherwise, you're going to see shortages uh, next year and into the fall uh, and when we don't need these shortages, when we actually need more resources to process this uh, uh, unique and different election. So thank you very much. I'm open to take any questions, of course. Senator, Senator Myrie, may I impose just for a moment because um, um, part of this panel uh, includes Reggie Lafayette, uh, who is uh, elections commissioner for Westchester County. And um, I am sure Mr. Lafayette has a statement to make as well. Thank you. Mr. Lafayette? He is having technical difficulties. Then we I, are working to get him into the hearing. Then I take that all back. Senator Zellner. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um, and apologies, uh, it had some technical difficulties earlier. Uh, we will first hear from Senator Mayer with three minutes. Senator Myrie, I'd like to defer until uh, Chairman Lafayette is there for the Chair of Westchester. Thank you. Not a problem. So Chair Levine, I don't know if the Assembly had uh, uh, questions for Commissioner Zarni. Thank you, Senator. I'm going to call upon um, Assembly Member uh, Chris Tang. Chris? His video and audio are off. Um at the moment. All right, so we'll keep going down the line. Uh, we'll hear from 
Senator Borrello. Oh, wait, I think the assembly member just joined. Sorry about that. Thank you, Chairman. I just have one uh, quick question, uh, Mr. Zarni. So are we prepared for this general election? As prepared as we can be, not knowing what the rules of the engagement are right now with this election. I think we learned a lot of lessons from the uh, primary. And I think a lot of uh, local boards are working to enact better systems for scanning and receiving ballots and mailing ballots out. Um, but uh, our motto is to try to do as perfect an election as possible, no, knowing that no election will be perfect. Uh, but I do believe that there are systems being put in place for absentee ballot trackers through our registration vendors so we can uh, inform the public about when we receive those ballots. Those are, you know, and, and, uh, and also uh, we really need to inform the public on their options of dropping off ballots at local polling places on election day and early voting sites uh, if, in case the uh, U.S. mail system is not necessarily, um, if they're not necessarily trusting the U.S. mail system to get that done. That's, those are things that I, I know local boards are working on to try to get in place that will be stepping above what we had during the primary. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Senator Borello. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, thank you, Mr. Zarni. Uh, uh, as a, again, as a 10-year veteran of county government and uh, former county executive, in fact, I believe we met at some point. Uh, yes, we had. Yes, I, th I thought so, yeah. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Um, and, uh, and I know how difficult it is uh, being at the local level. The boards of elections, especially at local level, work on a shoestring budget and are faced with so many challenges. And, and thank you very much for what you do. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I do want to go back to what you would, because uh, this came up earlier. You mentioned that as far as you're concerned, as of right now, until the governor signs this law, COVID-19 is not a legitimate excuse under the current law to receive an absentee ballot. Is that, is that what your, is that, is that your understanding, I guess? Well, all right. So it, it, it's definitely not a definitive uh, uh, excuse. So I, I share uh, Commissioner Kellner's uh, opinion that COVID-19 could be used under the existing temporary uh, illness statute. Um, but that is an opinion that hasn't been tried in law and hasn't been tried in court uh, because we haven't dealt with this before. It would certainly alleviate any uh, uh, concerns if that legislation is signed into place uh, for the November election. That will uh, absolutely answer that question. So is there is there like a, uh, I guess, a, an opinion or a stance on the part of the uh, Election Commissioners Association um, on that particular topic? Or is it is it just kind of, because I know that your, your, your colleague here in Chautauqua County has encouraged to do and again, I'm not accusing of any, anybody of doing anything wrong. I just think there hasn't been guidance, and, and that's well, you know that. I, I think you know again, the nature of the temporary illness statute has always been kind of murky in itself. In and of itself, uh, we depend on the voters to declare which category of uh, excuse that uh, they qualify for. There's no. You know, there's no investigative team from a board of elections to go take a temperature of somebody and see if they're ill or not. Uh, it, it's um, so the very uh, nature of the, uh, you know, the, the self-selection by the voter is uh, already murky to begin with. I do believe that the bill that was uh, 
um, that was uh, uh, passed just this last session, we'll deal with this and, and signing it will, um, you know, remove any question about whether COVID-19 is an acceptable excuse. So if that is signed sometime between now and whenever, is that going to create an issue? I mean, from a timing standpoint, now, now you know, where, I mean, are there concerns with it this, this close to the election now of that change occurring? No, I, I don't believe so, uh, because let's face it, the voters are already making that choice to now. Uh, they're making that choice based on what was happening in the primary and based on their feeling that a, a risking, uh, you know, illness uh, is uh, covered under the temporary illness portion and, and risking uh, infection uh, or pandemic spread is covered. Uh, so voters are already making that choice. And voters across every party and every age range are making that choice. So signing that bill now will just alleviate the problems with any subsequent challenges to these applications that could come about. Uh, and I, I believe that that uh, is something that is appropriate and something that should be done so the voters can make that choice to stay home and stay safe and vote by mail if they feel that they uh, uh, cannot, uh, if they feel at risk of, spread, of, of being infected uh, by pandemic disease. So, so as of right now, then, um, absent any action by the governor in signing that, you're concerned that there could be legal challenges to absentee ballots. For example, if it's a close election and they're challenging ballots and someone, you know, asks for that temporary illness uh, exemption. Um, I'm always, uh, it's always better to remove that concern. So I'm concerned uh, for any time somebody would make a challenge against uh, any absentee ballot. Um, you know, I, 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 I believe we should allow the voter to make these choices. I'm a supporter of no fault absentees. I, I, I urge the, the legislature to continue their work on that next year. So this whole question is removed uh, like we have in 34 other states. But it, with New York state law as it is right now, with the nature of the challenge system, absolutely, I urge the governor to sign that bill so we can remove all doubts coming into the fall. All right. Thank you very much, and uh, again, good to see you. Good to see you, Senator. So, S Senator Myrie, I, I don't know if uh, Commissioner Lafayette is uh, available yet. Do we know? Uh, I, I have no indication either. Uh, so, but I, I do, I do have um, Senator May in the queue um, uh, uh, to, to ask some questions. Thank you. So Senator May, whenever you're ready. Yeah, I am. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And thank you, Dustin, not just for your testimony today, but for the work you do day in and day out to keep us uh, able to be confident in our voting here in Onondaga County and understanding what the issues are around the state. Uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to follow up on what you said about money. If there is a shortfall, where do you cut corners? Like, what would you do and still be able to carry out the election? It, it's hard to cut corners in the middle of a probably the highest turnout election that we'll ever see in, you know, in our lifetimes, maybe in a generation, not just in terms of percentage, but in terms of sheer, sheer volumes of voters that are going to go to the polls. We saw that during the, the primary, which was, for the most part, an uncontested presidential primary. And we still saw people uh, wanting to exercise their their right to vote. It's very hard to cut corners um, 
you know, we can't cut polling places without disenfranchising uh, urban and rural voters who may not be able to travel uh, uh, to farther away uh, polling places. We can't, uh, we, we have to serve, we have to pay the postage for the absentee mails. That's not something that we can cut corners on. We don't, you know, most boards of elections don't have extra staff lying around either. We're already at bare minimums uh, on one of the, you know, least staffed uh, boards of elections in the state in terms of voters to uh, full-time staffers. Um, what will happen is that we will go over budget and those budgets will have to be uh, borne by the county, uh, uh, the county board, the county uh, governments. And I say that with no, uh, with a hope that I don't have to do that because I'm a county citizen and and that's, you know, the taxpayers are going to have to pay for that. And these county budgets are already, uh, you know, exploding. So it's uh, it's tough to find any avenues to, to cut corners right now. Okay, thank you. And then my other question is about lockboxes for dropping off absentee ballots. Um, many states do this, and Senator Hoylman and I have a bill to do it here in New York State. Is your understanding that there would be some kind of a time stamp when you drop that off in the box or would it be up to the board of elections to collect them on a daily basis and and stamp them i think they would have to be collected by the boards of elections on a daily basis but there are um ways that maybe we could look at uh being a little bit more um flexible based on our current systems we already have town clerks that and city clerks and county clerks. Um, we already have early voting centers and, and polling places that are already taking those absentees. Um, I'm a little worried about vendors being able to uh, manufacture and fabricate uh, the amount of lockboxes that we would need statewide in this 83-day window and have them installed. So we may want to think about it as a stopgap measure, uh, empowering uh, county and town clerks to accept absentee ballots and then deliver them to the Board of Elections each night uh, so we can timestamp them in and, and, and get those done as extra places to drop off absentee ballots uh, that are allowed. <clears throat> okay, thank you. I'm going to uh, call upon um, Assembly um, Elections committee uh, ranker, Michael Norris. Michael. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, and good afternoon to you, Commissioner. It's great to see you again. Good to see you, Assemblyman. My question for you uh, at the local level is how much did your budget go up percentage-wise because of the primary, and what do you anticipate the percentage going up now as a result of the uh, coronavirus situation? So in my county, we were able to offset about $400,000 in costs using the CARES grant funding that was passed by the federal government. Um, and that chewed up about 66, about two thirds of our, our, our CARES grant funding. So we were able to save the local county dollars by using the CARES grant funding. Um, it, in the federal election, in, in the general election, uh, I anticipate at least five times the amount of activity that we had during the primary. Uh, so that will, you know, cost us uh, on the local level, uh, you know, quite a quite, quite a great deal. If and, and as I said, most of my grant funding has been spent. Now, some of that cost will be borne by 
existing operational costs, so I don't expect $2 million more dollars, uh, you know, uh, but I do believe that there will be a significant amount more spent based on, um, you know, uh, just postage of the absentees alone. Right now, we're not paying for an absentee mailer to every voter. Right now, we're not paying for postage paid return on the absentee ballots. If that has changed, then it could go up even more, even more dramatically. Okay. Uh, So it's definitely going to go up. And I was looking for like a percentage just as a uh, benchmark for the rest of the boards across the state. Um, Do do you have a percentage number? I I, I wouldn't hazard to guess that, not knowing about certain things, but it will be at least uh, 30% more that in my local board, if there are no further changes, if we add in the absentee ballot mailer, if we add in postage paid return on the absentees, that's where a lot of these costs that were paid for on the grant in the primary, um, you know, uh, that we don't have to pay for right now, uh, that's where that would really dramatically increase that. Okay. Uh, As a former commissioner myself at the local level, what do you need? What do you need from us as members of the state legislature in the next 83 days? I need time, uh, and, and, and I, I, that, that's the thing I need the most right now. I need to know what, uh, what what my engagement is, what I can do on the ground so I can educate my voters in my county. And uh, every day that goes by where voters call me and say, can I do this? And I say, I don't know, this bill is passed, but it hasn't been signed, it hurts us. I, I need that time. I know. I need money, of course. Everybody needs money, and New York State is is dealing with uh, the same budget crisis that our local counties are. So, I, you know, New York State has, and the legislature has been very good about passing these bills to help address some of these needs. Um, so we need these bills signed. We need to be able to implement them, and that will help reduce some of these costs. The online portal that the state board will develop for absentee ballot applications will reduce uh, the, the amount of staff that I have to bring in to help process forms because it, it'll be a quicker process. It'll be electronic tr- process. Um, so uh, th- these are things that I need. Uh, and then in the future, I believe the boards of elections need to be protected by the New York state uh, government and against some of these drastic cuts that are coming our way because uh, we need to have minimum staffing requirements that we know we can operate uh, the vote by. We can't, we're not a department of public works. We're not a, uh, another county department that can just put off paving a road for a year. We have to do the election each and every year. Okay. And uh, specifically, do you need a specific PPE equipment for the polling sites or equipment specifically to count absentee ballots? I'd like to know specifically what you need from the Board of Elections, and then explain to me the poll workers situation right now. Is there a great fear of recruiting? I mean, in terms of um, people serving, um, in terms of your recruitment efforts, um, if you could answer those questions, I, I would appreciate that in my final time. Thank you, Commissioner. Sure. My, uh, you know, my, I'm very lucky with my local county has provided PPE for the uh, uh, primary, but I know many other counties had uh, issues getting that PPE. So. Uh, stockpiled of PPE, extra surplus PPE that would be beneficial to the boards to help uh, in the November election would be very beneficial. Um, many boards do not have shoebox money that can pay for high-speed scanners or equipment. Uh, you know, if they, and since that grant funding is already out, they don't have the ability to buy these scanners. 
again, I'm lo locally, I'm lucky. I do have that money, but I know many other boards don't. And finally, the inspector shortage is a real shortage, and it is not something that boards of elections can solve on their own. We need legislators and elected officials and candidates and everybody to be emailing their election list today and telling people to sign up to be an inspector and get them into classes because classes are ongoing right now through the end of the, of the election. Thank you. Thank you. Senator Zellner, I, I know that Senator Mayer wanted to speak. Yes, I'm back. But I, I think she wanted to, I don't know if she wanted. No, I'll go ahead. Thank yep. you. Very good. Because I don't, I don't see Commissioner Lafayette. So thank you, uh, Commissioner. Question one. Uh, now, are you speaking today as a commissioner of the Onondaga County Board, uh, or are you speaking on behalf of the Election Commissioners Association or both? I'm speaking on behalf of the Democratic Caucus of the Elections Commissioner Association, okay. although um, I intend all my remarks to be pretty bipartisan to, to help all boards. Okay, yes. thank you. So can you um, outline for me, uh, for example, in New York City, we understood that they were able to field 95% of poll sites in June. Other counties like Westchester uh, had about uh, less than 20% of poll sites. What has been the experience throughout the state and um, what is the reason for the drastic decline in number of poll sites in some counties? Well, I will say that I believe most counties were able to operate at the level that New York City operated at, where most of their poll sites were open. I'll say that the counties that reduced poll sites were, it was twofold. Uh, many poll sites in nursing homes and senior living facilities were, um, right. were, were got, gotten away of because of the COVID crisis. That was a, a something that needed to happen. But the places where they had to reduce poll sites drastically was because of lack of, of polling inspectors that were willing to work the June primary. In the middle of this raging pandemic, many, many of our older inspectors were saying, absolutely not, we're not going out, we're not gonna work. And if you don't have the people to, and we, we couldn't train anybody because we couldn't gather classes together to train anybody during the pandemic. So it was really a, a perfect storm when it came to that. So that's why most of the poll sites were reduced. But but that being said, they have the same problem in New York City and you had the same problem in Onondaga that they had in counties that drastically reduced. So respectfully, that is not the answer that would allow for such a uh, discrepancy. But that being said, um, you mentioned about uh, communicating, I'm so glad you did, to voters in your county about early voting. Specifically, what are you doing as a board or on behalf of the Democratic uh, commissioners to ensure that people know about early voting is still an uphill climb. Yeah, I, I, every time I engage with the media, uh, there are two things that I talk about, uh, and now three things with the absentee voting. Uh, you know, early voting, absentee voting, and election inspectors. Those are the things. If they call me about anything else, they're still going to get those answers because these are the things that we need, um, and uh, we really need to. Uh, find a way to use our state government and leverage our state government to use the public airwaves to be able to uh, to educate people. Uh, Senator Myrie had a bill about uh, the highway signs. Uh, that That's a great, great out-of-the-box thinking that needs to happen and be mandatory everywhere. These are the kind of things that we have to start using because we're not going to be able to have paid commercials or, or paid advertisements or classified ads. We need, and, and those things are obsolete anyways. We need to use more of our uh, state government resources to help get the public information out there. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Assemblymember Buckwald for three minutes. Hello. Uh, uh, I would have loved to ask some questions of uh, Commissioner Lafayette. I know uh, Commissioner Zarni as well and appreciate uh, the opportunity uh, um, and appreciate the work every County Board of Elections is doing in, in a very difficult uh, time. So if I can convey that through you. I do have uh, one underlying question um, that all levels of government are facing right now. Um, and that concerns uh, transparency and public access to information particularly at county boards of elections. Uh, so Commissioner Zari, could you uh, tell us in your understanding, does the open meetings law apply to county boards of elections? I believe they do. Does that mean therefore that it is your practice, at least in Onondaga County, uh, that when the commissioners meet and make a uh, vote on a decision, affecting things like say deciding where public where early voting places are going to be that that action must be accessible to the public uh, it's how we operate here in onondaga county when we have public meetings i i will say that during the the pandemic uh and just really starting to get out of it we're starting to have public meetings again where we didn't have them during the pandemic but I believe when you have a public meeting, it should be open to the public and we should follow that transparency. Well, as you might know, and your county legislature and I'm sure local governments uh, around the state know, um, the governor's put in place some suspensions of some of the provisions so that, for example, you could have a virtual meeting. The public can participate by viewing it virtually as they're doing at, at this very hearing, for example. Right. Um, so um, have you, uh, maybe leading up to the primary otherwise, did you provide some mechanism for the public in your county and elsewhere to observe those decisions? Not yet. I, I will say, though, that I don't, I don't think the operations at my board uh, are necessarily typical, and I don't think there are typical operations. And all, all the different boards operate differently. Uh, this question of uh, public meetings versus private meetings versus uh, formal meetings at boards of elections uh, have come up in our conferences many times. Uh, this last year, we've moved in Onondaga County to be a little bit more formal in our meetings as opposed to informal, uh, you know, staff meetings and uh, to be able to, to decide certain things. And then, of course, the pandemic uh, kicked in, which, you know, put put us all hands on deck on everything. So uh, I, I do think that um, I always believe in standards. I always believe in legislation that can provide standards. And if that's something that the legislature feels is important, I, I think outlining it would, would be very helpful so that everybody can follow those rules. Well, could, could I, in just the last few seconds, recommend that since the open meetings law is already on the books, it's already a statement of the legislature as to what the requirements are for public bodies like boards elections, that maybe the Election Commission Association could remind uh, boards of elections around the state of their obligations to, to allow members of the public to have access to the information of decisions being made. Um, there are other compliance rules in our state election law, but that overarching one would solve, I think, a lot of public information uh, questions. Thank I think you. that is the uh, opinion of the state board. Uh, they have said that in conference uh, and, and, and advised local counties to do so. Uh, compliance with that sometimes, you know, varies from county to county. Thank you, Assemblymember Buckwald. Thank Chair you. Zellman. Chair Zellman, 
there's a couple of other assembly members who wish to speak. I don't know whether um, any senators do. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, that we don't have any more on our side. And so before we uh, kick it back to you for the assembly members, I just wanted to thank Commissioner Zarni uh, for his testimony and for his continued work. Uh, he is a regular at our hearings and at our committee meetings, and we appreciate uh, your work and interest in this area. So thank you. Thank you, Senator Myrie, for your work in leading the election law committee uh, over the last two sessions. Let me uh, let me uh, join uh, Chair Zelnor in saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Assemblymember Steve Otis. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Okay, excellent. Uh, Commissioner, thank you very much. Uh, you touched upon uh, earlier the uh, problem of getting uh, poll inspectors, poll workers. Um, has your group considered asking for any changes uh, in state law as relates to the rules for for recruiting such folks? Um, are, have you thought about steps that can be taken to attract possibly students, uh, younger younger uh, people to, to help out with this? One proposal, uh, splitting the day. Uh, some people are deterred by having such a long day. But um, I think a real problem for November, not just on election day, but for the early polling days, is having a, enough workers to be able to um, staff these uh, around the state. And uh, uh, corollary of that is, should we be, is there an effort being made to expand the number of early voting sites for uh, November. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Assemblyman. Uh, I, I know some counties are uh, expanding their early voting. I think it depends on what the, the county is uh, and which county it is. Um, some of them already expanded last year and are above the minimum, and so they're staying above the minimum. Some of them are. Uh, I, I'll tell you that staffing early voting is actually easier than staffing uh, election day. And you wouldn't think so because uh, you know, it's multiple days, but in my uh, county's experience, we have multitudes of people who want to work early voting and work multiple days of early voting, uh, but, and, but we have less sites, and so it's not as hard as actually staffing election day. Um, there, and there already have been changes in legislation that allow for split days. Uh, you can be uh, a poll worker as young as 17. You don't have to be uh, even a registered voter. Uh, I don't think many people understand that. Uh, you could have a 17-year-old be a poll worker. Um, and But right now, the problem, you know, these, those are the normal problems. Those are the normal problems with uh, recruiting uh, poll inspectors. Right now, the problem is that our population of poll inspectors tend to be older and that they tend to be more susceptible to COVID-19 and, and more scared to be able to leave there and, and, and interact despite all the PPE that we provide. That's what we are uh, dealing with right now. And uh, I don't know, there's many uh, other solutions besides trying to field as many people and as many immediate avenues as possible to get people to sign up for classes and become poll workers. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Otis. Um, Assembly member Jonathan Jacobson for three minutes. Okay, you can hear me? I'm on. Again, this is Very good. Uh, good seeing you again, Commissioner. Good I'm going to ask you again, uh, what I asked previously. 
concerning the confusion of uh, people who applied using the uh, mandated applications for the primary and they checked for November and they're not and they're not considered eligible for a ballot unless uh, they reapply. Uh, what are you doing in uh, your county? So we had 26,000 people that applied for and received absentee ballots. Of those 26,000 in Onondaga County, 5,000 also used the prepaid uh, application to try to apply for the general election as well. We are mailing out to all 5,000 another ballot or another application uh, telling them that their first application they filled out was only good for the primary and now they must fill out this other application oh and by the way you're going to have to pay to, for postage to send that back to us and 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 then and then we can have them apply for the general uh that mailer will be going out this week i do not envy my staffs getting those phone calls uh over the next uh two weeks when they get that mailer personally i i find this to be a waste uh of resources to remail out these are people that already wanted to have uh, um, ballots for the general election. We should allow them to have it, but that is the executive order and we will comply with it. Uh, and uh, I do feel it's going to cause confusion. All right. Well, I just wanted to know, because like I mentioned before, uh, some of the counties in my district are just sending out postcards. Some are sending the application. So I wanted to find out what you're doing. Of course, part of the problem of sending out the application is you have to get an agreement uh, with your counterpart and the other party. So sometimes that can hold up what you want to do. That so, is correct. Go ahead. All right. Well, that, that's you. all I have. I'm keeping it Thank short and sweet. Thank you, Assemblyman. Good seeing you again. Thank you, Mr. Jacobson. Um, Chair Myrie? Uh, we still do not have anyone on our side. So, do you think this would be an advisable time to take a 10-minute break? Yep, I think it's appropriate. Thank you so much. We'll be back in 10 minutes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> 